Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am recording this on January 18th, which means that we have a full moon in Cancer today. And full moons are always a really great time period for releasing something from your life that is no longer working for you. That's the beauty of a lunar cycle is every month we have the opportunity to begin anew with the new moon. Then two weeks later, we are blessed with the full moon which is about the opportunity to harvest, projects are coming to fruition, and it's also the opportunity to let go of anything that isn't serving you so that you can usher in a new beginning with the next new moon. So I want to pose this question to you. What is it that you want to celebrate and acknowledge your own hard work over the past couple of weeks? And then what is it that you want to let go of? What isn't working for you? What doesn't feel right any longer? Well, this is the week to do it. This is the time to release. For me personally, what I'm releasing is a continuation of this New Year's resolution to take my nervous system, which has been running at extra, extra high voltage for basically my entire life, and really intentionally change it so that I am as a default, living in a state of rest and digest and not in a state of fight or flight, which I really, really think has characterized most of my days on this planet. And I talked about all of this a couple of episodes back with the two-day stress detox, and things are going really well. I feel great. I haven't had gluten in three weeks. I haven't had dairy or caffeine or alcohol, and I just feel really calm and really restful. And my acupuncturist and I, who is this amazing quadruple Gemini, she pulls in all these different modalities into acupuncture with me. We are now working very much on now lifting up my energy levels. Before we were just, you know, trying to address some deficits that had been created. So I feel great. I am continuing to release a pressure on myself to work hard, hard, hard all the time. I'm releasing a prioritization of work over my own personal life. And this episode is related to a lot of the thoughts I've been having around work recently with my clients and with myself. And it is about the fact that every single one of us, including you, especially you, is brilliant. And every single person in this world is creative. I think that word creative gets reserved for people who are pure artists. And I've heard so many people say, oh, I'm not creative, or oh, this isn't creative at all, or oh, my brother is the creative one in the family, as if there can only be one creative person in each family. So I'm here in this episode to dispel that myth, and we are going to talk about how every single person can use different tools and different mindsets to fully tap into and empower their own brilliant creative selves. 
I first started thinking about this topic because I have been meeting with all my coaching clients for the first time since the holiday season. And very quickly, I saw this insane pattern emerge where it seemed like every single client I was speaking to was saying, oh, wow, I feel so great, Liz. I feel so clear-headed. I feel so confident in my decisions and in my business. I feel like I'm you know, working less hours than before, but getting so much done. One of my clients even said that he felt like time had slowed down to enable him to do so much more in the same amount of time as before. As I dug into this further with them, what I realized and what I shared with them is they feel so much more productive and generative and creative because they are not burnt out, because they're just fresh from coming back from the holidays. For me, this was super validating because I had been telling many of them since even before the holiday you need to take a rest. You're burnt out. You need to get ahead of things. You can't let it get to this point when you're so burnt out. You can't see clearly because you're too burnt out. And now I had this moment in time where I was able to say, great, notice how well you are performing because you are so rested and refreshed. So let's codify all the things that make you feel rested and refreshed and make those a habit and a routine and not a once a year occurrence that happens just because it's the holiday season. I just wanted my clients to truly and viscerally understand that they should always make time for self-care because in the process of doing that self-care they're actually creating more time for themselves. So that is the very first of four tips that I have for unleashing your full brilliance and your full genius. You have to start from a place where you feel totally filled up, rested, and recharged. The analogy that I think about in my head, or rather the image that I see, is that of a balloon. So you are a balloon, How deflated are you? Because you know that if a balloon doesn't have enough helium in it, that it actually cannot fly. So get into the habit of checking in with yourself and asking, okay, what percentage full am I? And you know that if you're anything under 60%, you've got to drop everything and start filling yourself back up. Studies have shown that when people work over 50 hours a week, then the quality of their work is severely diminished. And we all know what happens when we become burnt out. We have lower productivity. There's a lower quality of work. We feel disorganized or foggy. And that results in just a lot of time that gets wasted. So you may be sitting in front of your computer, but your brain is just operating at such a slow pace compared to when you're refreshed. And I really see this in my clients. I hear it when they say, oh, Liz, I can't make a decision. I feel so hesitant. I feel afraid of failing right now. I'm scared that I'm making the wrong decision. And for them, because they are founders of startup companies, their whole job is about being decisive and making decisions. And so instead of reviewing the information for a few days and then coming to the right decision, they'll really punt on a question and it'll keep spinning around over and over again, taking up room in their mind and also forcing the company to be at a standstill in the process. So for me, this is like a really clear indicator when I am burnt out and I really pay attention to when I can't seem to trust 
my own decisions. When I'm like, well, I guess this is what I want to do. I just don't know. Is this the right call? Whereas the rested mind is the complete opposite of this. The rested mind is clear. The rested mind knows what it wants to do. And the rested mind has conviction and believes in its own ideas and its own decisions. Now, returning back to our full moon discussion, what is something that you can get rid of this week? Throw it away, get it out of your life that will allow you to feel more rested and less burnt out. I am getting rid of compulsive email checking in the evenings. Now, once my work is done, then I am not checking my email. Okay, now here's the second thing that will help you unlock your brilliance and your genius, and that is detachment. It's about caring less, it's about not giving a fuck, and it is about not sweating the small stuff. Here are some questions to ask yourself so you can see if you may need to care less about your work. So one, do you get anxious if you haven't checked your work email for 20 minutes? Two, when a friend asks you how you've been, you answer by describing a situation at work (laughs) that your mind automatically goes to work first and a challenge or an inconvenience that you've experienced at work. Three, uh, maybe you are dreaming about work challenges or work conflicts. Four, are you obsessing over work or thinking about it while you're having dinner or at the gym or when you're trying to fall asleep? And then lastly, does your mood depend completely on how work is going? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then you may want to reevaluate how attached you are to your work and find ways where you can actually care less. And this is something that took me years and years and years to understand. And I'm actually still trying to figure it out. When I was 26 years old, I had this really amazing boss named Moon. And I worked at a Series D or Series C startup. I was in a manager level role. I was managing people for the first time. I was getting promoted. It was all really fun and exciting. And things were busy because I worked in the recruiting function There are always just a million roles to be hired because of how fast the company was growing. And I remember that I would get really upset about challenges, conflicts, or inconveniences that would happen at work because I was so attached to my job. And I remember my boss saying to me once, Liz, I'm going to give you some advice. You just have to care less. You have to care less. It'll help you be better. And I really pushed back on her. I didn't understand what she meant. At the time, I truly believed that the anxiety and the stress that I felt about my job was actually propelling me to do a better job. I really cared. I was so nervous about work. I wanted it to be right. And what I didn't see at the time is that there's another force that can drive you toward your work and give you tons of energy and tons of motivation And that force can be fun and joy and love. It doesn't have to be anxiety, perfectionism, and fear. When you care less about work, you actually perform better because you're not getting overly stressed out. You can make decisions more quickly 
And also it means that you are feeding back into our first tip. You are prioritizing yourself and you're caring more for yourself. A good way to look at this tip is not just to care less about your work, but to take all that care and all that anxiety and stress that you're putting into your work and then instead direct it back to taking care of yourself. This is one of my favorite examples of detachment from a woman who I admire so much, Shonda Rhimes, showrunner and creator of all this amazing television, film, documentary. She's just such such a role model. Um, But she had a email signature that read, please note, I will not engage in work emails after 7 p.m. or on weekends, and then in all capitals, if I am your boss, may I suggest put down your phone. That's amazing, right? Someone who has so much on her shoulder, so much success to live up to, so much to do, so busy, and she's still setting those boundaries for herself. If she can do it, we all can do it. And I'm sure that a huge part of her success came from being able to establish those safe spaces for her to rest and to have a life outside of the work that she did. And so for you, Think about how you're creating that boundary with your work. If you're working from home, you 100% need some liminal space in between the end of your workday and when you go home to rest. This is something I hear from my clients over and over again. They become so much happier when they have the opportunity to really intentionally separate home from work with a commute. And so for you, that might mean even if you are working from home, then take yourself on a faux commute. Walk around your neighborhood for 20 minutes and then come home. You need that detachment. Otherwise, we feel like we're working all the time. And so our brain doesn't know to shut down. So even if you're technically, quote unquote, done at six, but you don't create that intentional break for yourself, by 10 p.m., your brain and your body still think that you're working. You know, it's still running in the back of your mind. So give yourself the opportunity to really consciously make an energetic shift from work hours to hours of rest. One of the most incredible things I ever learned about coaching, I read it in a book somewhere and I don't remember which book it is, but it basically said, coaching someone is not about you. It is not about whether your advice was good or your advice was bad. It is about you listening tuning into what the person is saying and helping them to dig through the questions and the uncertainties that are running through their own mind. It's not about you at all. And there's something really beautiful and freeing about that that made me such a better coach where now I never worry about whether or not I'm quote unquote doing a good job, whether or not my client likes me. I know that I will be a good coach if I just focus on them And removing that pressure off of my shoulders has freed me to be an exceptional coach. And I've really experienced this myself where I have a friend who's a coach as well. And we were trading sessions or she was giving me a session for a referral that I had given to her. And she was very stiff, much more stiff than I know her to be in real life. And she did not do a good job coaching me. And it was because she was so worried about doing a good job. And so there's this performance anxiety that can creep up that will actually make us less good and less talented at the things we do. And one thing I do when I write 
is I look at a little note that I've written for myself. The note sits on the side of my monitor and it just says, I am free to write the worst junk in the world. I am free to write the worst junk in the world, exclamation point. And I look at that and it makes me so excited to write because I'm not feeling any of this performance anxiety or any of this pressure to write, you know, the most prolific and thoughtful book of the century. All I have to do is have fun. I can make a lot of mistakes and I have time to fix them later. So think about yourself. How can you be less attached to the outcome of your work? How can you be more carefree? How can you let go of the pressure that you feel on yourself to be successful and perfect all the time? What can you do this week to care less about your work, to embrace detachment, and to allow yourself a sense of humor and play when it comes to the work that you do? Okay, now the third tip that we have is about indulging yourself. So be obsessed with whatever you want to be obsessed about. At any given time, there should be something that you are obsessing over. For me right now, I'm completely obsessing over how to de-stress my life. So I'm getting really into meditation again, getting really into stretching and yoga nidra and very slow restorative yoga, all the things that can help reset either my hormones or my nervous system. And I'm reading all about it online. So what are you crazy about right now? Don't ever be afraid of your own interests. Don't ever be scared of where your nose is going to lead you. I have a friend who started the most remarkable business and it all happened through this crazy, crazy turn of events that had actually nothing to do with what she does now for her company. But essentially she had been a lawyer for 10 years, was trying to figure out what was next. She started being really interested in Cuba, becoming totally obsessed with it. And then one day she saw on the patch of someone's backpack, the patch said, Cuba is waiting. And she said, oh, well, this is my sign. I've got to go to Cuba. She went to Cuba and she met someone on a bus who had ovarian cancer. And she started talking to that woman. And from that several hour long conversation, the idea for her business was born. And now she's been running her business for eight years. It's hugely successful. And that all came from letting herself be obsessed with different things. Her obsession and her indulgence took her to Cuba. Her business has nothing to do with Cuba, but the trip enabled her to come up with the idea that she has now. So what are you interested in? What do you care about? How can you make time for yourself to do that? And I always think that this really is just the secret to creativity and genius. In the startup world, people all have these ideas that they're trying to start a company and some people are very vague about what it is that they're doing. They might say, oh, well, my startup is in stealth mode. So I don't want to tell you what it is that I'm doing because I don't want anyone to copy my idea. And I personally think that that is the dumbest thing ever because no one is ever going to be as passionate about your idea as you are. So even if someone tries to come around and copycat your idea, it's never going to be as successful as you because they're lacking that authentic pull and that authentic motivation to solve that problem that you came up with in the first place through your own lived experience. 
This tip, I think, is a really tough one for people to cultivate because we go through the school system that doesn't let us choose for ourselves. We have to learn about the same subjects as every other eighth grader. We have to memorize the same facts and read the same books as everyone else. And we are so rarely given the choice of what it is that we want to learn. And so for many of us, we don't even think that there's an option in life to be obsessed with something and to see where that curiosity takes us. So a lot of this is rebuilding the muscle of curiosity and learning self-indulgence. So I like to start by taking myself on an artist date every week. This is from The Artist Way. Think about what it is that you can do to plan a really beautiful few hour long experience for you and you alone. You know, if you don't have plans one night, how can you plan a date for yourself that really captures the essence of what you personally want to learn more about? We have to fight against the ways that we have been programmed. We have to know that our opinions are not just valued, they are beautiful and creative and generative. And I like to practice this personally by going to the bookstore and I just go to a section and I pick up any book that piques my interest and then I make the commitment to either reading it or skimming it. So one week it might be a book about motivation and confidence. Another week it might be a book about how gray whales mate. Another week it might be a cookbook, whatever it is, but the bookstore or the library is a really good opportunity to just test and build that muscle of self-indulgence and curiosity. We live in this world where our preferences are dominated by algorithms. We are targeted ads for things that people think that we may want to buy. We are targeted social media accounts that people think we might be interested in. And so it's made us kind of lazy when it comes to knowing our own preferences and wants. And so this muscle will free you the most when it comes to your own creativity. Look at yourself as if you are the most interesting, fascinating person that you've ever met. This tip is about falling in love with your own mind. What can you do this week to really soak up self-indulgence and let your curiosity lead you wherever it wants to go? Okay, the final tip, tip number four for unleashing your natural brilliance and natural creativity is to practice, practice, practice. And I love this one because there is this myth in our society that creativity is like a lightning bolt of inspiration. It just strikes you and you can't control it. You can't wield it. It just happens at random when you least expect it. We've all heard about the tortured artist who doesn't work hard at all, just drinks and does drugs, but then will go on a full bender of writing a book in seven days, writing a masterpiece. But those are all myths. Whenever you talk to any wildly successful artist who has had a career over many decades, they say the same thing over and over again. Yes, I might have more talent than the average person, but the success is because I worked hard and I worked hard consistently. Everyone thinks of Mozart as this amazing child prodigy who would just sit at the piano and then God or, you know, the muses would whisper some beautiful notes in his mind and then he would just compose the most 
amazing piece of music than anyone had ever heard of before. But actually, Mozart was actually the product of a father who made him work really, really hard. And of course, he was wildly gifted, but but he also just practiced so much. In fact, by the time he was 28 years old, his hands were completely deformed. He had spent so many hours practicing and performing and gripping a quill pen to compose that his fingers and his hands were completely gnarled. And he said in a letter to a friend, people err who think my art comes easily to me. I assure you, dear friend, nobody has devoted so much time and thought to composition as I. There is not a famous master whose music I have not industriously studied many times through. And his focus and his determination was so fierce. He was talented, of course, but his discipline and work ethic rivaled his talents as well. Okay, now I want to share an inspirational passage from one of my very, very favorite writing books. It's called Writing Down the Bones. Don't worry about your talent or capability that will grow as you practice. Katajiri Roshi said, capability is like a water table below the surface of earth. No one owns it, but you can tap it. You tap it with your effort and it will come through you. So just practice writing and when you learn to trust your voice, direct it. If you want to write a novel, write a novel. If it's essays you want or short stories, write them. In the process of writing them, you will learn how. You can have the confidence that you will gradually acquire the technique and craft you need. I love that so much because, again, it takes that pressure off feeling that genius, brilliance, creativity are these given gifts that are bestowed upon us that we have no control over. We do have control over our own capability and the way that we harness that capability is by practicing over and over and over. I really feel that with myself. I have been trying my very, very hardest to just sit down in front of the computer and chip away a little bit at my book every single day, even if I'm not feeling inspired, particularly if I'm not feeling inspired, because by the act of sitting down and opening to the work, it tells my creativity, hey, you know, you're allowed to come out. You can play here a little bit now. And then it gets used to coming out every day, even if it doesn't feel like it. And that's really how I think of it. I often see my work not as something that I own, but rather something that is flowing through me. Sometimes I'll outline a piece and I'm confident that that is what the piece will be about because I just spent an hour outlining it. And then I sit down to write and all this stuff just flows out and the piece is better for it. But I don't know where it came from because consciously I was intending to write a very different piece. And so I think of myself very much as a vessel for creativity. And that is why I truly, truly believe Every person in the world is creative. Every person has access to the energetic and creative flow to run through them. And it's really just about listening to it. It's about valuing it, paying attention to it, and then setting up your life so that you can be prepared to be a vessel for that creativity. I love, love, love this quote by Gustave Flaubert. 
Be regular and orderly in your life so that you may be violent and original in your work. And I really believe that. I mean, I don't want to be violent as in like punching people in the face in my work, but I do want to say things that haven't been said before and that make people feel uncomfortable. And I do want to be original. And so I really make sure that I am so orderly and measured in my day-to-day life. I do four things every single day without fail. I meditate, I exercise, I take my vitamins, and I write. I sit down and I make space for creativity. And I have a routine. I have things that I like to do. I'm not drinking right now. I'm not having caffeine either. I'm trying to get eight hours of sleep. I'm going to bed really early. And I do find that that regularity makes a lot of great space for the creativity to flow through me. I can hear it. You know, I have the silence in my life to be able to hear the creativity as it tries to make its way onto the page. Imagine that your mind is like a pond. When a pond is disturbed, when there's all this rippling and waves and frogs jumping in and out, then you can't really see what's going on. You wouldn't even notice if you threw your own shoe in the pond because there's just so much happening anyway. But when the pond is clear and perfectly still, that you see every single little ripple. And that's the way your mind should be. It should be a still and clear pond so that when even an inkling of a creative idea starts to take hold, you notice it right away. But if your mind is filled with thoughts like, oh, I wonder what Sarah thinks of me, or I wonder if I did a good job on my presentation today, or I'm really stressed out, hungover, I drank way too much last night, I have a million parties to go to this evening, I'm back to back to back to back, meetings and social life, I'm busy, busy, busy. All these things make for a pond that is disturbed. How can you clear out your life to allow for the silence? Let your habits support that. Okay, everyone, that is all I have for you today. Just an overall emphatic reminder. You are brilliant. You are creative. There's nothing more that you need to be. All you need to do is set up your life so that you can allow that innate creativity and brilliance to flow through you. And just to recap how you do that, one is by making sure you have enough rest and you are not burnt out. The second is by practicing detachment. Actually stepping away and caring less about your work will lead to more brilliance and success when it comes to it, ironically. Three, indulge your sense of curiosity. Go wherever it leads you. Never let anyone tell you that what you're thinking about or obsessing over is dumb. Let what you care about be the only thing that matters. And finally, number four, making time to ensure that creativity is a habit. And I highly recommend picking up a book called The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. I think it provides a great framework for this. And that's all I've got for you folks. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe because the podcast comes out on a different day every week. So you'll get notified when there's a new episode though I am aiming for Wednesdays moving forward. 
And lastly, my favorite thing to remind you for the week is to make sure that you love yourself, that you listen to yourself, and that you say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening and for sharing. And I cannot wait to be back here with you next week.